welcome to the Forbes India cover story podcast series in association with the indicas.com my name is abhishek and this issue's cover package focuses uh, on this government's performance since 2014 during a time when mr narendra modi stormed into power with a thumping majority and now this is an election year and it's a good time to take a look back at the report card as such and joining me on the call uh, to talk about his cover is forbes india's samar shrivastava hi samar hi abhishek going back to the context as to when the bjp the nda when they came into power it was for the first time in a long long time uh, that they had a mandate which corresponded with uh, a majority which hadn't happened in the recent past how has the government done since then what does what is forbes india's assessment of it as you rightly said uh, this government came to power with a thumping majority and it was the first time in 30 years that a government with a majority had been elected so obviously hopes and expectations were very high you can argue that a lot of those expectations haven't been met as we discuss in the story but there have also been a fair number of things that the government has done right but i'd argue that it should be looked at as as a glass half full because they have done uh, a few big things right and i think that's what's important they focus on a few big things and they've got those right what are two or three big things that the government has done right when it comes to uh, from the business uh, perspective and otherwise i think their biggest achievement was essentially fiscal consolidation i mean i think the previous government had uh, a very loose uh fiscal policy and as a result of which we had sort of a galloping inflation and we had a situation where consumer prices were rising just too fast now as an economist i spoke to said that what people don't realize is that high inflation actually hurts the poor more than it hurts the rich and i think that was one big reason as to why the previous government was voted out so this government came in and they've managed to sort of keep prices under check part of this was because oil prices fell and as a result of which inflation in india automatically fell but they've also gone slow on increasing the minimum support prices for uh, rice wheat and pulses and as a result of which inflation has largely stayed in check so i'd argue that that is one big thing that they got right and you know even in a, in an election year uh, so far we haven't seen a lot of giveaways this may happen in the next couple of months but so far we haven't seen a lot of giveaways on the legislative front uh, i would say that they managed to get uh, the gst bill passed the second big legislative achievement that they had was the insolvency and bankruptcy code and for the first time you have companies in india filing for bankruptcy and uh, either their assets being sold to other owners uh, or uh, those companies would then be uh, that don't get bids would be liquidated so this is the first time india actually as a formal process for uh, shutting down companies that would be among the biggest achievements given that it used to take i think 4 years on an average to liquidate a firm in india and the banks would only get 25 cents to the dollar was what the official figures was but at the same time your central theme summary it says yes fixing its balance sheet was the bjp led government's biggest hit and the inability to get faster gdp growth its biggest miss uh, could you could you explain this succinctly as to why uh, you have that right up there as the rubric for for the piece this government came on the promise of achhe din uh, which loosely translates into better days and i think key tenant of, of that promise was faster growth now the reason why growth didn't pick up 
is, I mean, there are several factors, but the two most important ones are that initially in its term, you had the global economy not doing well. And then the government shot itself in the foot through demonetization. And then the implementation of GST caused uh, another slowdown in growth. What was most disappointing was that around the time of demonetization, the global economy began to pick up and India wasn't able to take advantage of that. And so if you were to say that the inability to get faster growth was the biggest failure of this government, I would squarely blame the government for that. Part of the reason was the fact that corporate India couldn't invest. And part of the reason was that the government sort of shot itself in the foot through demonetization, et cetera, et cetera. As, and which is why growth uh, never uh, went above the seven, seven and a half percent mark. Right. And, and does, does the government have the tendency to overcommit? For instance, Mr. Modi still continues to harp on the fact that farm incomes will double by 2022 and that we will create one million jobs a year. In, in both these aspects, it will be a big swing and a miss uh, at the end of it all when, when the first term or when this term ends. So is that another problem? Because uh, some of those grand promises made during the campaigns are nowhere close to fruition. Well, he can say all he wants, but on the two promises that you just mentioned, really very little has been done. So, I mean, he can keep promising, he can keep saying all he wants, but very little has been done. And it's uh, it remains to be seen whether uh, rural voters will vote for him. This is a common refrain when it comes with every government, the land and labor reforms, which were largely written back in the British era in the 40s, I, I suppose, early 40s. And they still continue, meaning uh, a company needs to seek approval from the government if it employs, if it wants to fire an employee. Uh, and if that company has about 50 odd employees uh, you know, at, at uh, the factory level, it still continues to be so. It, would that count among glass half empty? that there hasn't been much done there in, in, in rewriting land and labor rules that, uh, frankly, need uh, overhaul? Well, um, if you look at land is a very uh, touchy and emotive subject in India. And add to, the, add to that, we're a democracy and 5,000 farmers can just come and block our roads and highways and you suddenly have the government going back on a lot of uh, land acquisition promises. Now, as a result of things like that, it is very difficult to get uh, land reform legislation passed in India. And I think Mr. Modi realized that very early in his tenure after, you know, I think it was after 2015 that he, he, he stopped even trying to get the land acquisition bill passed. Uh, with regard to labor, you're right that there needs to be some reform and, you know, uh, employers uh, should uh, be allowed to sort of get rid of people when demand falls, etc., etc. But, but having said that, I really haven't come across any industrialist who says that I will not set up a factory because I am unable to get land or I will not hire people because I'm unable to fire them. I think, you know, if the economics of a business work, anyone will set up a factory with the only exception being those ultra mega projects like, you know, a large steel plant or a large mine, etc., where land acquisition is a huge issue. But, you know, to set up a factory in, you know, in the size of an acre or something, it's not really such a big deal. We, we spoke a little bit about farmers. The unconditional loan waivers is what the farmers have been asking for for a while. Eight states, I think, totaling to $36 billion worth of 
uh, waivers have been announced. Small and marginal farmers anywhere do not have access to formal credit and they have 70% of India's farmland. Is, is the government in a fix given that, uh, see, you've got farmer protests since November, you've got trader strike, uh, which went, I mean, earlier this month, uh, some 100 million odd people went on strike. The BJP lost in three Hindi-speaking states, these big ones. So these are hard times then. What does the government do next? Right. So I was, as I've written in the story, I was very heartened by the fact that uh, the prime minister said that farm loan waivers don't really help anyone and you need to figure out other ways to alleviate the distress in agriculture. No, he's absolutely right when he says that, but he's got an opposition that seems to be promising a farm loan waiver and it remains to be seen how he's going to sort of combat that. Maybe he'll combat it through uh, other aces up his sleeve that don't really involve money. For instance, you saw promise of 10% reservation to economically weaker section candidates. Uh, that could be something that he could try. Uh, my sense is that he will come out with some sort of mega farm package and they'll package, um, you know, existing fertilizer subsidy numbers in that to make the size of the package look bigger. They will come out with something, but um, it, it's really very difficult to do something that will be implemented in time for the election. So I think the promise is probably going to be something like, okay, if you vote for me, then this is what you get on the other side, like, you know, in my next five years. But um, I don't really think that he'll be able to come out with anything that which he'll be able to implement before the elections. Great. I think somewhere in the interest of time on that note, uh, it's time to wrap up. Thank you very much for your time on this podcast. You're most welcome. Thanks. And all you listeners, uh, you know the drill. You can get this podcast on Forbes India as well as on iTunes. And to have someone call you for a Forbes India subscription, message Forbes to 51818.